Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, this edition of the H2O Podcast. My name is Jason Hunt. And I'm Timothy Harvey. And not a not a celebratory uh, episode tonight, uh, just mainly because it's it's there's stuff going on and we don't really like what's going on but we got to talk about it a little bit anyway so hopefully you're having a <laughs> a pretty decent week I'm, I'm me I'm, or them everybody just anyone everybody. <laughs> yes i don't know i see i see uh sci-fi snob in the chat death angel shadow robert dave uh good to have you all of you here uh and yeah, it's it's one of those uh, where uh, we have news that we didn't really like. Of course, it usually usually goes this way. We've had a lot of people passing away in the last couple of weeks. Notable notable names. Uh, you know, James Kant, Paul Sorvino. Uh, you know, we've got word over the weekend for you know Bill Russell and Pat Carroll, who was the voice of Ursula and the Little Mermaid, among a, a lot of different other things. And Tony Dow last week, and you know David Warner before that. So we're going to talk, and then of course yesterday we get the news that Nichelle Nichols passed away. And then there were three. The only the only ones that are left now are William Shatner, George Takei, and and Walter Koenig, and everybody else is gone. Now, in the way that you just notice as you get older, is that these are folks who actually lived into their eighties. Yeah. Um, they had full lives. There, this is. I mean, you don't you don't want to lose them, but at the same time. You know, it comes for us all, right? Yeah. Um, and the fact that they are actually, you know, um, had the careers that they had and the lives that they had uh, is something to celebrate. So while, yes, it is it is very it is sad that we've lost them, um, there is a lot to celebrate about, about both these two lives and, of course, all the lives that we've seen pass away. And you and I, we talked about getting older all the time and one of the pros and cons of it is that we get we get all these incredible talent we get we get exposed to it when when we're kids so they've been part of our lives this entire time which is amazing we got to enjoy that for the entire life so i think there's um certainly for you know if you're in your 40s or 50s, this might have a much bigger impact to you than someone who's in their 20s, just because we've had a life with these folks. Yeah. They've been part of our entertainment world in a way that, you know, I think we've been really lucky. It's the same thing we talked about when when Bowie passed away, is that, you know, imagining, imagine, you know, how much of our lives have been influenced by that guy, one guy's music. Not to mention everybody else's music who influenced us, of course. But I mean, right. how much he spent, he and actually how much he was part of genre, you know. And and then you look at somebody like you know the the influence that Nichelle Nichols had, or or just the sheer range of of genre roles that Warner played. I mean, the, 
and and I for, I had forgotten about Nichelle Nichols' other voice work. Right. I just completely it had it had just gone out of my head, and I'm like, oh wait, oh yeah, she was on. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I was just looking at this stuff, going, she was on that show. Yeah. Uh, just to let you know, your microphone is popping a lot right now, so just wanted to All give right, you a heads up there. And yes, to answer the question in the chat, Grace Lee Whitney passed away in 2015 at the age of 85. So, yeah, she's she's been gone for a while. And, you know, yeah, you've got, you know, Nichelle Nichols passing away at age 89. You have, you know, David Warner is is was 80. When he passed away, and of course, yeah, you, the, long and distinguished careers for for the both of them. Although, I think Nichols probably faced the same kind of issues that most of the supporting cast of the original series faced, being typecast. You know, you didn't have as much uh, opportunity for them as uh, as everything else. Uh, Robert, as far as I know, Alan Dean Foster is just fine. He's he nothing's 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 gone wrong with him yet. So and of course his Star Trek connection is doing the novelizations of the animated series. Right. So now she kind of picked up a whole new life by really kind of being a spokesperson for NASA. Yeah. I mean, so she while while her her acting career, yeah, I think there was a fair amount of typecasting that she uh, got stuck with. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, you go back and you look at the things she did beyond that, of course, you know, being representative, really encouraging folks to, uh, uh, you know, minority and female uh, applicants and recruits for NASA and, and considering the the importance of, of really being, um, you know, encouraging the sciences and encouraging you know that that kind of interaction with with a new generation of folks coming into that that's really important work it's just not necessarily big profile you know it's not like it's a not, starring role in a movie it, but it's it, but glamorous. It's, in many ways it's a lot more important than any starring role yeah. in a movie well and and one direct one direct consequence of that uh, you have Dr. Mae Jemison who decided to be an astronaut because she saw you know, Uhura up there on on the TV screen, and said, "Hey, there's somebody who looks like me out in space," and and there we go. So, uh, well, I and then she and then Mae Jemison shows up in Star Trek: The Next Generation. So it kind of goes full circle now. I think I think that's something that that we you can often see the dark side of celebrity, and and folks who are you know this we see this a lot where people are like. This person, this celebrity is so important. It's like they don't even know who you are. And, you know, it's we we have a bit of, you know, this obsession with celebrity. And so there's a lot of dark sides to it. But the positive side is something like this, where you she can go out and she can speak and, and you know, promote NASA and inspire folks that way and not be have. I mean, that's that's the positive side of things. Yeah. And that's, you know, um, yeah. If, uh, if nothing else, that's a pretty impressive legacy, but that's not all she did, of course. Well, and Death Angel Shadow talks about uh, the NASA recruitment. There is a, a documentary uh, that came out, I want to say last year, Woman in Motion. This was this is basically the story of, of uh, Nichelle getting involved in the recruitment program at NASA. 
uh, to try to uh, boost and bolster the the participation of women and minorities in the space program. Uh, too much success. I mean, there's a number of people who are who are astronauts who otherwise would not be. Sally Ride being one of them. Um, and and it's you know uh, it's it's hit or miss. I mean, you can you talk about the the lack of quality of the space program as it is now the fact that we're stuck in orbit and we haven't gone anywhere since we landed on the moon that's a that's a source of frustration for a lot of people but there are a number of reasons for that and i think a lot of them are political more than anything else it's just well you know not not to get into that tonight but there's a conversation one of these days um because of course you know there was a whole lot of, of how humanity was going to reach the stars and in this sort of some of the foundational science fiction that, that we grew up on. Yeah. Um, and then, then we get into the realities of the real world and how much, how much of exploration was driven by politics. I mean, the whole, the whole, you know, conflict, conflict with the soviet union we must we must reach the moon first um and then we do and it's like okay now we've done it and everybody just you know yeah now what yeah. well it's, it's funny and, and, and i, I think talked about it before but i saw an interview with buzz aldrin back in the back in the early 80s uh well no it was later than that it was an anniversary of uh of apollo 11 and he was on nightline talking to ted koppel and maybe this was mid to late 90s i i can't remember it was it was a it was a specific anniversary but i can't remember which one and he was telling koppel that the original program as it was lined up going forward from apollo if we had stayed on that timeline we would have had an operational manned base on mars by 1980 and the reason we didn't is because Nixon looked at the space program and didn't see any political advantage to it and put a pause on the whole thing. And, of course, the money, you know, you know Congress has to, has to uh, authorize the money to be spent on this stuff, right. which is why we never got Apollo 17, Apollo 18, what, what, 18, I think, was the, the one we didn't get. But yeah, to to hear that and to hear, you know, this is Buzz Aldrin. He ought to know. I mean, this is not just some random person off the street who studied the program. He was in it. And he says, you know, we would have been on Mars by 1980 if we had stayed on the trajectory we were on. I'm just like ready to pull my hair out. I was like, why aren't we on Mars yet? And, well, and, 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 and the sad and, thing is, is that inertia kicks in. Once, once you stop giving a program enough money to do the job or stop having that momentum go forward. Yeah. And government moves slowly on purpose. There's, and, and there's a lot of benefit to government moving slowly, except when you need it to move quickly. Right. But um, the, something like that, you know, it's, it's really, really easy for it to stop becoming a priority. And now on the plus side, um, I'd be really concerned what we've learned about the effects of uh, zero G on the human body um, and and the the level of radiation that you actually are exposed to on the surface of Mars 
I'd be really concerned for the welfare of a whole bunch. Of, I mean, we there's 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 risk to so many things like this. Exploration always comes with risk. Yeah, but they had they were not aware in that time period just how much radiation the surface of Mars actually gets. They were not aware how much you know uh, the bone density in your on uh, starts to go away very quickly in zero gravity um and that's there's a whole there's a whole set of challenges that science fiction never prepared us for and it's like yeah but <laughs> yeah yeah well and you know once we get artificial gravity figured out then you know half of those problems go away right you just got to spin the thing really fast right that's right that's right like they did in 2001 mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah so anyway, I, it's yeah, but yeah, you you talk about uh, you know uh, Nichelle Nichols recruiting for NASA, and it was it was one of those key things. And you know, it there are times when I have to bite my tongue on a lot of these celebrities taking up causes now because they they the the way they go about it is is not conducive to everybody holding them in a certain amount of uh, of esteem but you know with with somebody like you know Nichelle who had the reputation she had for Star Trek and that connection into well she's already been it's, it's, it's like William Shatner going up in in the the blue uh, blue origin thing I mean he's actually gone into space and he's he's played a guy who worked in space now he's gone into space and that 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 connection is kind of natural to to have because you know what look at the letter writing campaign that convinced Gerald Ford to to change the name of the first orbiter you know instead of L101 it became the enterprise well of course it did i mean it's only natural that you do that and to right. have her connected to both star trek and nasa you know when you stop and consider that you know, the, the you know the story that she tells about Martin Luther King coming up to her and saying you can't quit, you know you've kicked open a door and it could close if you leave and and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Where where you know then she goes into NASA and does it for real, in the right. real space program, not just not just in entertainment in in you know science fiction but in television at large, where she's playing somebody other than a maid, and. You know, now she's recruiting for the actual space programs. Like we're we're pulling people in who are actually going to go do this for real. Right. And there's a significance there that I think some some people might not. Well, it's not as glamorous. I mean, again, we come back to celebrity. It's it's we see these folks who are up on our screens, you know, whether it's the big screen or the television screen, and we see them all the time. And, And again, people get these sort of weird connections to these people who they don't actually know um and in many ways she went out and did the work versus showing up and getting you know you're you're on a film set or a tv set for only so long she did this for years and years and years and years and years yeah this wasn't a thing where it's like i'm just i'm coming in to do my job then i'm on to the next job this was a commitment to um you know improving the uh, the reach of NASA to people who, who at that particular time weren't necessarily feeling that they would be welcomed at NASA, which is, you know, science is for everybody. So, yeah, the stars, the star, you know, 
Star Trek was kind of about the stars being for us all. So, you know, crying out loud, they had to rush it on the bridge. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, go through, you know, her credits and you talk about doing the work, you know, she, she stayed busy even though you know even though her career was not you know all of this you know huge stuff you know she's she's doing a bunch of stuff but i guess most notable sharknado 5 <laughs> because i mean that's that's the that's the pinnacle of the career right there right well uh, i mean you know she got a daytime emmy nomination for a soap opera the Young yeah. of the Restless. Young of the Restless. She was she was on that uh, in in 2016. So it wasn't like you know. I mean, uh, well, I think no, it was 2017 when she got the nomination. But I mean, she was on Young and the Restless. She was she did voice work for Gargoyles or Batman the animated series. She was on Heroes. Um, yeah, she was in Heroes. I, I completely. I, Heroes is a vague, fuzzy thing just because <laughs> after the first season, you know, I think a lot of people unfortunately feel that way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've completely forgotten she would have been in it. And, and that's not a, a slam on her performance. That's unfortunately the whole, you know, Heroes. Um, but, I mean, yeah, she, she worked quite a bit. A lot of stuff, though, she, you know. Uh, was voice work um, and you forget that she was a dancer leaving aside that scene in Star Trek 5 a lot of people yeah yeah it's 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 not a great scene um, but I mean you know she was a dancer she was a singer um, you know these these talents that you don't necessarily think but she continued to use in her career just again not as high profile not as um, and, and you know the you know, the, 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 sad, the sad part is you sit there and you talk about her getting discovered by Duke Ellington. And there are going to be a lot of people that sit there and say, who? You know, and they don't know who Duke Ellington is. The significance of it, you know, it's like, this is Duke Ellington. You know, it's, it, he's, he's a, a major influence in music. And a lot of our history is getting lost just because there are people who are young who don't care. Well, I think there's... Uh, now, so the, periodically, the people are young, they I don't myself, care. <laughs> periodically, I find myself going on, the, on the YouTube and watching reaction videos. Oh, yeah. You got to... You know, it, it, sometimes it's like nice, good background noise while you're working on something else, right? And there's a couple of them that I actually like, which is, it's like... Uh, a father and their kid or a mother and their kid or, mm -hmm. a, or a husband and a wife. It's somebody who, and, and one of them knows the subject matter. One of them has no idea. And the music ones are the best because it's like some, somebody's like, okay, I'm going to introduce you to the cure or, you know, Rob Zombie or um, Waylon Jennings or, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's just, it's just all over the place kind of range of things. And some of it's really fun because you get to watch these kids get exposed to this for the very first time because mm -hmm. yeah. they'd never heard, you know, some amazing blues artist. They never heard uh, uh, Robert Johnson, right? right? Or they've never heard, uh, uh, you know, um, Charlie you know, great. You no, know, my dad. My dad doesn't like jazz. I like jazz, um, but so I, I, my exposure to jazz came later, uh, but the you know the fact that i there's some hope for this right because you have these people out there going 
come, come, small child. Yeah. Let me expose you to the stuff that I grew up on. And I think that there's some hope for that because this this stuff is still around. And I introduced and, my kid to Benny Goodman when he was very, very young, and he enjoyed it. He, he thought it was kind of cool, especially <laughs> especially you get into the, had, drum, the drum sequence on Sing, Sing, Sing. And I mean, it hooked. I had a back in my Borders days when I was when I was working with um, uh, I was the, the my part of my job was bringing in the local artists, local musicians, local writers. And then we would have, you know, yeah. get their books and music on the shelves and have events and things like that. We had a guy um, who um, used to be in radio and was one of the big, and this is back in Wichita, Kansas. So he was one of the big radio guys in Wichita who was like really popular for having these eclectic music tastes and these big selections of music. And he had gotten the rights to be able to put out these like compilations of like his shows, mm -hmm. which had this music somehow. Right. And so I have, I've got them. I've still got them on CD. It's like, this is like some of the best, this is like all the great big band music. This is like all the great blues stuff. This is, I mean, these are, these are fantastic uh, compilation discs. Never sold particularly well. But they sold all right. I mean, they were they, they weren't you know, they didn't fly off the shelves. But there's there's um, you know, there's still hope. Unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, um, there's a lot of people who don't realize how much you know. If if you're a fan of modern rock or modern rap, um, yeah. there's so much uh, blues influence in that. There's so much jazz influence in that. Um, you know, hope. Hopefully we have enough people who are carrying that on to. You know. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, De Death Angel said, I'm a metalhead, but I know The Cure and Waylon Jennings and The Eagles. So there's one hope. Of the, what, I can't remember what it's called, but one of the reactions things, it's like it's like metalheads listen to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's so it's like, you know, and they it's it, again, it's all over the place. And that's some of the fun thing. Some of the best part ones are the folks who they know the genre that they like right so they they're if they're a rap fan they can they can talk about all the great rap artists and all this stuff but they've never been exposed to you know 1960s country yeah um or they've never been exposed to you know um oh 1950s doo-wop you know i mean they've, they've never had and now they're getting it and they're like this isn't really fun or <laughs> Why was this popular? I mean, yeah. you know, they're not going to like everything, but but it's it's they're kind of fun. So I mean, if you guys ever want to like, you know, entertain yourself with alternately feeling hopeful and feeling old. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, and some of those are fun. And you know, it's uh, those of us who are of an age, um, you know, we, when you talk about various different music styles and genres and whatnot. You're all, always, you know, the cover bands and and everything like that where you have these people who dress up as Kiss or Motley Crue or, you know, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts sure. or whoever, and, and they'll do tribute bands. It's, it's almost like cover bands are like fan fiction, you know? It's like the fan sure, films. Yeah. Cover bands are the fan film equivalent, and and that gets me into the fan film because we got one coming up that was Nichelle Nichols' last role. 
that it hasn't uh, it hasn't been uh, out there yet. It's called Renegades Aminara, and it's in the st- what used to be <sighs> pre Axanar. It was Star Trek Renegades. Mm. Post Axanar, it was Renegades. They 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 had to they had to file all of the serial numbers off. Right. And it was a big pain in the neck from from the stories that I heard. But they they went back in and they changed everything so it was no longer a Star Trek fan film. So they wouldn't have to be restricted by the new right. rules, the post Axanar rules. Thanks. Thanks, Alec. Axanar. Yeah. So uh, she is the title character. She plays the older version of Aminara. Uh I don't know the story, but uh, but that still has yet to come out. I'm not sure. I think they're they're close to to completion, so it should be coming out here, you know, sometime soon. But uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. That'd be cool to see. So, um, I mean, and and you know, we're we're talking about the good that she did, but she was recognized during her life for you know not only doing these things but being influential to the genre. She got awards. Yeah. Um, she's got, of course, the Hollywood uh, Walk of Fame. Um, Heinlein dedicated Friday to her. Heinlein, Heinlein's novel Friday oh, was right. dedicated that's to right. Michelle Nichols. Well, and um, she and she yeah. wrote a couple of books too. Yeah, she did. She got a, what um, was it? Was it two bios? No, she did. Uh, well, she did some. She she's got her autobiography, mm-hmm. um, but she wrote a couple of fiction books, um, and I think I want to say one of them was a Star Trek book that she co-wrote. I'll have yeah. to look that up. But um, yeah. the other thing, though, I mean, when when all of this came out that she was, you know, her her life circumstances being what they were. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about uh, people in decline physically and mentally. You know, she she'd been battling dementia and and some had some some health issues. And one thing that I noticed when the the news came out is that some of them, like Deadline, some of the trade paperbacks, and you know, some of the the, the trade uh, magazines and whatnot. They they referred to Gilbert Bell as confirming the news. Gilbert Bell, her business partner and her manager, who has been the subject of lawsuits from Kyle Johnson, Nichelle Nichols' son, and the family basically saying Gilbert Bell has taken advantage of her all of these years and taken advantage of her dementia and taken advantage of her health condition to basically sponge money off of her. Right. And, you know, that whole thing has, you know, as, as, as I watched, you know, I, I read the articles as that played out and I'm thinking how, how sad it is that in the last days and we, and we had this happen with Stan Lee, you know, you've got, you've got these circumstances where certain people who are of an age need to be in a place where they can be taken care of. And well, and, and think about this, the really the part that really disturbs me about those stories is those are the high-profile ones that we hear about. Yeah. We hear about them because it's Stan Lee and Michelle Nichols. We don't hear about the folks who are, you know, it's not on the same scale, they don't have the same income, but if this happens to ordinary people who aren't famous for being, you know, 
Marvel Comics and and you know, you know Star Trek Star. You don't. There's. Yeah. And I just looked it up. She wrote Beyond Uhura, which was her autobiography, and then she wrote Saturn's Child with Margaret Wander Bonino. Which is not a Star Trek book, but it's a science fiction book. And I, I kept thinking that there was supposed to be a sequel to that. No, we never got it. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, wow, it's, it's, you never know how things are going to go. You know, and, and you you would think that people who have that kind of reputation, you know, somebody like like Nichelle Nichols, who has the notoriety that she has for playing, you know, Uhura, she's been part of Star Trek, the, the zeitgeist and the big the big influence right. that that show has had, not just in science fiction but socially. You would think that she'd have a little bit better circumstances. Well, I think there, we all sort into what happens as we get older. You get to a certain age, and it's people tend to expect you to not have as many um, appearances. You know, you don't you're not out in the public eye as much. Yeah. And the less you're in the public eye, it's much easier to not recognize this stuff is happening to you. And if it goes on long enough. You're out of the public eye long enough. It's just the nature of celebrities. You kind of slip out of the mind, and it doesn't. You know, it's not. It's not a malevolent thing. It's not a conscious thing where people are going. I'm just going to forget about it. It's just. It's just. It just happens. How the world works. Yeah. And so it's. It's one of those things where if you. You could see how someone could take advantage of this, and and I, I've heard enough of the situation, the, the rumors of the situations and the discussions of the situation, a lot of it at this point, as far as I can tell, has not been proven, right? Lots of allegations. Right. Yeah. There's, there's and of, lawsuits and, and countersuits. And, and yeah. yeah. So, and, and so, I mean, in the fairness of, you know, yeah. Cause being the family, fair. the family has accused bell of, of elder abuse and taking advantage right. of her financially and, and basically stealing her money and, and, right. you know, glomming on to various different appearance deals and, and taking the fees and whatever else bell has countered and basically said, well, Kyle is the guy who's abusing his mother. And, you know, there's all this stuff. Um, to the question, uh, Robert's question about substance abuse, I have not heard anything, I haven't read anything anywhere that there was any kind of a problem with substance abuse. The biggest, the biggest thing was, Nichelle Nichols is in, is in physical decline, she's, she's suffering from dementia, and as that got worse, there were concerns that the people around her were taking advantage of her and you've got bell saying that it was the son and you've got the son saying it was bell and you know neener 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 back and forth so there's there's lawsuit and counter lawsuit going back and forth i who knows what's going to happen with it now i would imagine right. it'd probably be 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 well i it's don't know be, no, because it, it, now it, it becomes now it becomes a disposition a of the estate after someone dies yeah because now now what happens to the estate who gets it right mm -hmm. yep. that'll that'll be that'll be bad so i don't know it, it's just yeah it's a it's a sad deal and and you know 
I I wish the family the best. I I oh, hope yeah. I hope well, they're able to work it all out. But I think that we again we we've, we've been very lucky in in having you know being able to grow up with with these people in our lives and and on our screens and and representing things that um, have had. A, I mean, you look at some of the things that you know everybody. You periodically you know you hear about the the what first interracial kiss it wasn't actually the first interracial kiss on television it was right. probably the biggest highest profile one and you think about you know what might have been if we hadn't had uhura would we have had eartha kit as catwoman probably not i mean and, and it's you think about that but that's a big deal that was a big deal yeah and i don't think you would i don't think you would have had you know the 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 ripples right you know the waves that that you know uh, that were made by Nichelle Nichols as she moved through this world. I mean, um, you know, for the for the entertainment side of things, you know, some Martin Luther King comes up to you and says, "Stay on a TV show." I mean, think about you know that that's ripple. You know, she's she she put people into space just by the by the influence of her existence. Yeah, I mean, think about that. I mean, that's that's pretty big. That's that's pretty big. She's uh, definitely a life to celebrate, and and you know even if you even if you've never seen her other stuff or noticed her other voice work, um, I have not seen. Uh, um, she did a black exploitation film uh, that I have not seen, uh, and now I'm curious about. It. I'm like, <laughs> you know, because um, she played a she she played against type in that film. You, know, you got this idea of, of Uhura and and the visual. You know, you get this perception, and you see. You know, when she talks, when you've seen, you know, if you've ever seen her, you know, talking about her life or talking about Star Trek, she seems like such a nice, pleasant person. Right. And apparently, she was very playing against very against type, and that's always fun to see as an actor. You know, see somebody who's like, let's step outside the range of what you know them for. That's always fun to see. But right, um, not a right. genre film. <laughs> All right, when we get back, we're going to talk about the career of David Warner. We also lost him on the 25th uh, last month, so we're going to take a very quick break. Be back right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. To unsubscribe would be a violation of the Prime Directive. Hi, everyone. Jason Hunt here, inviting you to join us every Saturday morning for news. The week's headlines in science fiction, fantasy, horror, comic books, video games, plus Comic-Con updates and the weather and the occasional interview along the way. We call it Good Morning Multiverse. We hope you join us every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, right here on Sci-Fi For Me TV. That's a really good question. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Well, that's a good question. That's a good question. But that's a really good question. That's a great question. When you need to know, count on Sci-Fi for me to be there asking all of the questions. That's been the question I've been asking myself quite a lot. That's a tough question. This is a rough question. That is a that that is a deep question. Bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Sci-Fi for me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Well, I'm back. <laughs> I'm not sure where Jason is. <laughs> uh, 
I, I figure we don't really show off the studio that much, so mm. we'll, uh, we'll let people see some different pieces and parts of the set down here. Welcome back, everyone. This is the H2O hello. Podcast. Uh, Jason Hunt here along with Timothy Harvey. Hello, hello. And now we're going to get into uh, the other... Uh, the other legacy to discuss uh, the, that of actor David Warner, and we see holy crap, he's done so much genre work. I know, I know, he has, and it's you know you look at you look at some of the stuff. I mean, sure, there's Tron, and there's Time Bandits, and there's uh, Time After Time, and there's Star Trek, and there's Star Trek, and there's Star Trek, <laughs> and there's. Du- and there's like multiple characters across multiple types of media in Doctor Who. Yeah. He's been the doctor. If you weren't aware of this, he's both the doctor in Doctor Who Unbound, which is a series of alternate doctors that um, from Big Finish, but also the Bernice Summerfield, which are not exactly non-canon, but not exactly canon. They're sort of limbo territory. They're part of the Virgin line of books that is no longer canon to the to the BBC stuff, but it's sort of continued on. Big Finish continued on using them. So right. David Warner's The Doctor shows up in those, and it's, you know, gray, fuzzy, nebulous stuff. It's great. It's that, fantastic stuff. I think He's that, so good as The Doctor. That would have been interesting to see if he had been an official Doctor, you know? Oh, yeah. I I, I want to say that at some point it had actually come up um, and I think it was just a scheduling thing or whatever, um, where it just wasn't going to work out or, or I could be confusing. I can't remember, but he's, he's one of those actors, you know, you, he was in, um, uh, he was on the, in, during the Matt Smith years, he was on screen for the first time in Dr. Who. Um, and, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the episode, but it was, um, uh, the, Oh, it's on the tip of my brain, too. <laughs> right there. Um, it is. Um, I'm looking. I'm going to find it real quick. It is. Cold War. That's what it's called. Yeah. Ah, okay. um, and I uh, uh, played uh, a professor there. And he's been on. I mean, he, he was in Penny Dreadful. Uh, he was in. Um, uh, uh, Agatha Christie stuff. He's been on, you know, the Hornblower miniseries, Batman Beyond. He was Rachel Ghoul. Yeah, he had, he had quite quite a quite a bit of voice work that he did. Oh yeah, well, and Freakazoid. No, I mean, Freakazoid is one of those shows. So when I find it, it's being broadcast again. I can just sit there and watch it. Because it's so, I mean, it's it's so clearly just we're we're gonna have fun. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. watch that a lot. But yeah, I mean, he did. He uh, uh, well, he got, he got a nomination for his work with Batman, B, uh, the animated series, for his voice work. No. Uh, the Annie Award, Outstanding Individual Achievement for Voice Acting by a Male Performer. And apparently, he didn't win, but uh, he was nominated nonetheless. No. So, Dave says David Warner always made my viewing experiences better. Uh, and and Robert's realizing that he was in uh, Batman and Spider-Man and Gargoyles. Oh, yeah. He was all... I mean, he... 
I'm, he was someone who clearly enjoyed, enjoyed doing genre work, and he had a face for it. Yeah, yeah. Robertson is saying, the, can't believe he wasn't more of a leading man because his face had so much character to it. Well, I think that the he had the ability to play both very, very good characters and very, very evil characters. Yeah. Um, and, and he and had in, that. And in, in, in different characters with Star Trek V. Oh yeah, this is like oh, whatever. Uh, I don't care. Anymore. And and the, but the I just saw a thing, uh, you know, during what the one of the news stories that pops up. It's like they were interviewing the actress who who played the Romulan uh, representative in Star Trek Five. Oh um, right, right, the right. The deleted the deleted scene had come up again, right? Where it's like you see some of the the um, uh, character development that you got for the Klingon ambassador and, and David Warner's Federation ambassador and, and the Romulan ambassador. And she was talking about how they had plotted out their entire character arcs. So by the, at, at the beginning, they were like, you know, very antagonistic and he was very condescending. And by the end, they were a couple. So <laughs> they would just, they would sit there in their makeup and just chat and have like a great time. And they'd wait on the guy who played the Klingon because he his makeup was so much harder. And she would start off her day sitting next to Leonard Nimoy getting into makeup. And it was just like, she, she really enjoyed the experience. But, um, uh, you look at, you look at some, for a lot of people, if you're a genre fan and you're not following the voice work, you know, you're looking at him from Star Trek, the next generation playing one of the most, Madrid. One Go of the Madrid. best kind of villains. Yeah. Um, not a cackling, maniacal, over-the-top villain. Someone who is cold and ruthless and very scary. Yeah, that that's you know, and I and I still you know I use the whole there are four lights at the end of of my show just to remind people you know not everything is what what they want you to think that it is. And this is, it's, it's, it's almost like that other, uh, it's like the episode Darmok, where they talk in, talk in phrases and, and allegory, you know, uh, you know, Shaka when the walls fell. If I sit there and say, there are four lights, it basically is the government and the media is lying to you and they're trying to convince you and, and lampshade and gaslight and don't believe them, right? It's they live, put the sunglasses on. And it's, it's an interesting moment in the series not only just you know for the show in, in, in overall but also for Picard as a character because Madrid broke him mm-hmm. you know he admits it at the end he's like I saw five lights and and you get that little piece in the coda that that Madrid actually did what he set out to do but yeah mm-hmm. he was and he wasn't he wasn't you know, twisty mustache, wahaha type of villain either. He was just very methodical, very cold, very, very calculating, very deliberate. And I can't really imagine anybody else playing that part that same way. No, I think part of it was there's something about his voice. And, you know, he's he's one of those actors who, even if you just, you know, bury him under makeup, um, and certainly the Kardashian makeup is, you know, there yeah. are a lot of your, your natural features are, are covered quite a bit. Although you can get a lot of the, the actors could clearly do a lot of actual facial movement, which is always nice. 
but that voice easily slides from charming to just deep dead inside my soul is black as night kind of voice without i mean he was a fantastic stage actor too i mean you think you know again so much as, as a british actor he moved from film and and tv and stayed much more fluidly than a lot of american actors at the time uh the early days of his career certainly um we got those we got those more distinctions um between the those various forms of performance here but um so he's really really used to having that kind of ability to to have the 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 voice do a lot of the heavy lifting um and the charmingness of his evil characters mm-hmm. i mean just the almost the it's that, re- it's that, refined menace. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, it's the example of the polite villain. Yeah, um, like writ large, though. I mean, because you look at you know it, whether it's whether it's you know evil in Time Bandits mm-hmm. um, or you know um, you know Raisha Ghoul or or any of these characters. Um, there's this level of I'm so very pleasant. Now you must die. Yeah, it's um, kind of like Alan Rickman in Die Hard same kind of thing yeah and and you could actually i mean i could actually see david warner in his mid-30s slide into that role yeah yeah i think that could actually you know that could actually work yeah yeah it's (laughs) yes the kardashians kardashians yeah Uh, yeah okay so i think i think for me the notable one when you look at star trek 5 and then he turns right back around and we've got david warner again in star trek 6 right playing a completely different character mhm you know because he's got st john talbot in star trek 5 he's got uh, gorkin uh, chancellor of the klingon empire so he's under a bunch of makeup but it's still it still is David Warner and and I remember at the time when Star Trek Six came out and I'm watching this I'm like why did they get why did they get him he was just in Star Trek Five playing a different character why did they get David Warner? And, and, and there's nothing wrong with his performance don't get me wrong I I love I love his performance as Gorkin mm-hmm. which is kind of an odd name for a Klingon but yeah I'm I'm, I'm Why'd they cast him again? It just seemed like an unusual move to make at the time, you know, because we just saw him. looked at Star Trek V and said, we had David Warner, and we wasted <laughs> David Warner. <laughs> right? We had, uh, guys, can we, can, can we see if he'll come back? <laughs> <laughs> I, you He's know, like, I, I wonder if there's a story there. I... I We'll have to. I have to add it to my list of questions to ask Nicholas Meyer if I ever get a chance to to interview him. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that there's there's something to be said for um, potentially that maybe actually being a real story. Um, I mean, because it's it's un, it's really unfortunate when you have this whole subplot um, of Star Trek Five that basically amounts to like five minutes of the movie, and you've got you know one of the the 
just a, a very recognizable, you know, genre character actor uh, with with as much, you know, history and talent as David Warner. He's like kind of in your movie. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, he got definitely got more screen time. <laughs> it's just. Yeah, it's just one of those things where I'm like, well, okay. Uh, well, it's it's almost like a do-over, you know? Right, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like you know, how how could you guys not use him better? Let's get him back. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, yeah, there's just, I mean, you just look at this stuff. Buzz Lightyear, the Star Command, the 2000 animated series, Batman Beyond, um, Superman, the animated series. Uh, he was on The Hunger, which is... Not a show I can recommend. Um, great movie, lousy TV show. Um, it was on the Men in Black cartoon. Um, it, it just, I mean, all these different roles. Toonsylvania! <laughs> I mean, just, you know, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. I mean, these are, there's so many, like, these cartoons that are just, great genre cartoons and he was all over this stuff um, yeah and uh, uh and of course i've mentioned before i'm a big fan of penny dreadful and he had a couple episodes of penny dreadful i think in season season one um and uh, uh just always great to watch him just and if you've never heard if you've never heard the uh, uh doctor who unbound audios uh, they're still out there. They're still available, um, and I would definitely pick, you know, get a chance to pick those up because it's an alternate. The, the idea of that whole series is that what if this event didn't happen or this event happened instead? So right. you've got um, he was the alternate third Doctor. So what if he never became Unit Scientific Advisor? What would the world look like? You know that kind of thing. Yeah. So, and uh, it it really makes you wanna wanna see a live action version of some of this stuff. Um, and he got to work with uh, Nicholas Courtney uh, because it was alternate his alternate third Doctor and the Brigadier traveling together. Okay. Um, right. And there's a 60th anniversary audio that he recorded something for i don't know that i don't know how much he did before um but something to do with the 60th anniversary he's got some audio work uh in doctor who there um i really so robert i really really like penny dreadful i think it's a um really fantastic series i really wish they had found a way to make the sequel series work. Yeah, they didn't. But <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm reading through I'm reading through the trivia on Star Trek Six. They offered the part of Gorkin to uh, 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 I just looked at his name. I just went blank. Um, Jack Palance. Can you imagine Jack Palance as a Klingon? Yes. <laughs> yes, I can. I can see him more as as General Chang, though. 
oh yeah that would have been i have ooh. so wanted to meet you <laughs> could you so you got jack palance as as chang and then you have uh Lee Rao. This could be fun. <laughs> uh no robert yeah. that would be orkin is the pest control chain not gorgon but that would have been that would have been a completely different different thing. Uh, oh yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, uh. but it, I, th- I think it could have worked. I think okay, I don't think it would have been. It wouldn't have been as. Um. Uh, it wouldn't have been as subtle. I think that there's a. Um, there's a Christopher Plummer is going to, well, Christopher Plummer can certainly, and he does in the in the course of the film, chew the scenery. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also someone who underplays really well. Yeah, and that and that charming grin that he can pull off even underneath Klingon makeup. Um, that's so mocking <laughs> the way he does it. Um, that would have been a very, very different role with, uh, but I think that I think it would have been fun to see. There's sure. there's an alternate alternate universe. Uh, I'd like to see the version of that. Yeah, um, that's the same. Because universe, then you put then you put plumber into the Gorkin role. Yeah, and and completely change the tone. Uh, well, that's the same. Uh, that's the same uh, universe where uh, Eric Stoltz still plays Marty McFly, right? Which means we probably didn't get. Back to the Future 2 and 3. But we did get Tron 2 and 3 and 4 and 5. And, and that, I mean, that was, see, and that, and that was another one, though. Tron was one of those where, you know, you had this, you had this groundbreaking process, essentially, with the effects. And you look at something like, the Star Wars prequels tr- trilogy, for example, we were talking about this a little bit uh, yesterday over on Culture Casino's uh, channel, where the the CG and the special effects kind of overwhelmed everything else, and you kind of the story kind of gets lost in the look at all of the new toys we have to play with, right? right? Sure. Right. Tron mm-hmm. could have gone the same way. Tron could have been all about the visual effects, and you lose the story. Now the story is is not complicated no. but you could still look at all of this look at what we can do with this cray computer and and the story could have gotten lost and it didn't and i think one of the things that makes that movie work so well is david warner's performance on both sides of the of the of the connection oh, Bo- yeah. both as as sark on the inside and you know it, it we, um, I, as his human and has as the program counterpart, and it was like you you get that that sense of menace from both of them, but his it's different tone. It's different tone, and and his his human version is a little more slimy, I guess. But also more of a corporate villain versus like uh, you you could see him you know it's he's kind of a Lex Luthor type. Yeah, yeah, got that that kind of you know unethical business kind of thing versus 
um, you know, evil overlord that, you know, he his, his counterpart was. Yeah. You know, um, or, well, kind of not really overlord. <laughs> well, because Dillinger is kind of a minion at the same time because he right. he and Sark both are working for the for the master computer, right? The 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 big right, but thing. Sark Sark's got more of a because he's in the world. Yeah, Sark's more of a Darth Vader. Yeah, he he is, yeah. and but but with a lot more, you know. But he makes Rah! it work, and 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 the Sark performance is notable in that he never moves. He doesn't go anywhere. He's just standing there, right? You know, and it's all it's all there, and the the effects you know when when he's getting tortured that one spot all he's doing is just kind of leaning back because everything else was post-production so it's all it's all performance and body language there for him and it's not anything else he's not interacting with anything and he really sells it i think it's one of it's 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 a really fine piece of work for him well and, and he's one of those actors who like michael kane constantly worked i mean you look at this guy's career there was not like a year where he wasn't doing something. Yeah. He wasn't in film. He wasn't in television. He wasn't doing audio recording. He was constantly working. Um, and um, the last year and a half of his life, he got it, got his cancer diagnosis a year and a half ago. I didn't mm -hmm. tell anybody. He just kept working. Uh, and um, we, we get that a lot. With a lot of of these folks who are performers through their entire lives, where they they realize that they're not going to have the time, and they just keep trying to get more of the job done, yeah, um, until they can't. And I mean, you know, Bowie did the same thing. Um, well, uh, 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 T'Challa was his name. Um, uh, oh, Bozeman, Chad, Chad, yeah. Chadwick Boseman, yeah. He did the same yeah, thing. Yeah, they, they just get out and do the work until they can't. Uh, and, you know, there's, there, and you, you see this a lot with, with uh, folks who, you know, didn't grow up necessarily in the most stable of conditions where they constantly want to work. Um, and, uh, and uh, like, you know, there, there's this, there's something about the, the British theater work ethic that they kind of, well, he went to RADA, so the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. And they're, that's a, you know, they they tend to turn out people who spend their entire career working. They yeah. just, they don't, they don't take as much time off. <laughs> and probably because it's the stage life, right? Because um, if you've ever been a theater actor, and if you ever tried to be one professionally, you take the work when it comes. Right. Because it may not come. And you might not get cast. And so when you get cast, you audition for everything and you go out for everything. And and I think that that builds a certain amount of, of constant work ethic that, as genre fans, we, we lucked out because Warner clearly likes doing the genre work. I mean, that was clearly something he enjoyed. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done as much of it. I mean, there's... It's a significant chunk of his CV. Yeah. His genre work, whether it's horror or science fiction or, or animated stuff or, you know. I saw a, I saw a story 
when when he passed, somebody was talking. There was a a, a film, a, a project that he was doing with um, I can't remember who he was acting with. It was another notable, you know, Shakespearean, you know, highfalutin, hoity-toity actor, right? And they were talking about stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What are you going to do?" Oh, I'm I'm headed to the stage. What are you What are you doing, David? I'm about to do something called. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> it's like he was just coming off of this, you know, highfalutin Shakespeare right. thing, and now doing Secret of the Ooze. It was, it was a, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a fun juxtaposition of, you know, and and it goes back to that, you know, let's constantly work. I'm just going to do the thing. It's like Michael Caine doing Jaws, you know. It, it's it's a terrible movie, but it's a beautiful house my mother lives in. So you know, right. it's, it's a, what that's what it. It, it, um, I do actually know. have a little information about what he's doing for the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. Yes. Um, he is playing the alternate Doctor again, and apparently he's going to be sharing some scenes with Christopher Eccleston. Oh? This is not, Christopher Eccleston this is, not for, is, is for recording children. audio. Oh, is, it, is this just for audio then? Huh? For, this is just for a big finish, or do you think maybe he it's shows up? It's just for a big and, finish. Oh, okay. It's just for a big finish. So. And I, and I know while well, Christopher Eccleston has said that he will never be on screen again mm. uh, with multiple doctors. Um, Which I is a shame. I think he said he would be okay if he do it. He would do do it for audio. Yeah. Um, and maybe there, or maybe he just sat there and went, "Yes, I want to work with. <laughs> I want to work with David Warner." <laughs> sure. Well, you know. Uh, he well see and and that's a little disappointing because Eccleston's expressed some regret about not staying on the show. Uh, but of course there are there are reasons there are circumstances whatnot and I and I just got to thinking you know maybe he'd come back but but it was Davies that he had clashes with the first time so he probably won't. Well, it was Davies and Davies and and Davies's bosses. Yeah. Um, now of course with uh, you know the the new series that that Davies is going to be producing, of course, is Davies own production company uh, having the, doing the heavy lifting. So I, if, if they can bury the hatchet, I think the, the advantage there is going to be that they're not going to have to fight the BBC. And, and quite frankly, I think some of the people that, that were around in the BBC during the early days of the revival aren't there anymore or different divisions and things like that. Yeah. It's, it's been long enough that those folks aren't necessarily there. Um, but the fact that he's actually been willing to go back to do the audio and record audio um, it's a step. as the Ninth Doctor, I think, is really great. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, he's he's one of those actors that, quite frankly, if he had not as been as good as he was in that first year of the revival, because we've talked about this before, that first year's got some rocky, rocky episodes. Yes, it does. But... It's carried by Eccleston and and his you know his doctor and Rose and 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 bringing those things back in that um, bringing the continuity back in in a, in a measured way. Um, it's nice to see him back as the ninth Doctor, even if it's only for audio. But the, the other nice thing about the audio work is that Christopher Eccleston has gotten older himself. He doesn't quite look the same right. as he did when he donned the black coat. Um, but his voice still sounds the same. Well, and you know they've 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 wiggled a little bit on that, you know, because oh, sure. you, you know with time crash, like right, yeah. it was it was a throwaway line, but they they 
you know, they hand wavied him and, and it well, was fine. Well, Doctor and... Who often runs on the power of hand waving him. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> All he's, right. He's one of the, Warner is one of those actors who I, he has been in some really, really bad movies. Um, and he has cheerfully been some of the best parts of that. He was an unnameable two. <laughs> yeah. If you've never heard of me talk about unnameable one, I can name it. It's a it, it's an attractive woman in a monster costume. That, that's what that is. <laughs> that's nameable. I, I just named it. And in the second one, it's oh look, it's Julie Strain, who is also an attractive woman, in a monster costume. I named that too. Why this is you, not unnameable. Wait, why would you put Julie Strain in a monster costume? Uh, because you wanted a you wanted to confuse the libido of the teenage boys watching this movie. I mean, that's sex and that's, death, that man. Just defeats the death. purpose. The defeat defeats the purpose of having Julie Strain in the picture. Of course, sex I haven't seen. Now I haven't seen the costume. You, so you you want you want the sexy monster to make the make make the audience go. I am strangely titillated, and in theory afraid. It wasn't scary. But yeah. David Warner's in the second one, and he's clearly enjoying his paycheck. <laughs> like you do. I mean, you know, why not? Yeah. And he, I think he was in a couple other... Uh, he was in Cast... Was it Cast a Deadly Spell? Um, where he played the 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 rich guy who said all the, uh, the evil uh, things into motion. And that was a fun... Um, um, riff on on Lovecraft. He was also in the Man with Two Brains. I mean, <laughs> come on, the Man with Two Brains. Yeah, oh, that's funny. Office Party. He did a lot. All in right. Mouth of Madness. Speaking of enjoying a paycheck, uh, you could you could support us uh, in that way. We do have a PayPal link, although you know PayPal being PayPal, and we've got a subscribe star thing there. We're on a number of different social media platforms. Where you can connect with us there, and uh, I do want to encourage you to connect with us on Odyssey. Our count is up to 190, and also uh, check out Sci-Fi for Me TV two which is our new channel that we've put on here for the replay so the live stuff is going to live here and then what we're going to do is we're going to upload it over to the tv.2 so it's never going to be live material over there let's see if we can trick the algorithm a little bit see what happens i don't know it's 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 an experiment We'll see what happens. I don't know. Uh, and and then tomorrow night, uh, we've got a new conversation in the Ranker Pit, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. And a, uh, a programming note for anybody who's interested. Uh, Good Morning Multiverse is... Uh, I'm not Good Morning Multiverse. Uh, live from the bunker, we're going to uh, a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule for August. So... If, if any of you are, are watching that show, we won't have it tomorrow. It'll be on Wednesday. And Robert, no, we don't get any income streaming on Odyssey. Well, there's blockchain. There's, there's crypto over on Odyssey. So we do have a little bit of something, but I'm not sure exactly what to do with it. <laughs> so 
considering it's, considering the value of crypto right now, do we have anything? Well, um, that's that's well. Let me let me look because according to this, we have um, uh, two thousand sixty nine and point point blah 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 of whatever these tokens are for uh, library. Um, I don't know what library calls their unit of measure. You know, right, it's sure. not a, it's not an ether bit or what it, whatever it is. We have two thousand of them, so I don't have any idea how much that's worth because I don't have a digital wallet set up in any of this stuff for crypto stuff, and um, I don't know anything about this. It's it's at, there. At I haven't done anything. Point, with it. it could be negative numbers considering the state of crypto right now. I don't know. I just uh, I don't know. It's it's just it's odd. I don't know exactly how all of this stuff works. So, but yeah, we've Crypto. got. Crypto, turns out, turns out, unregulated systems <laughs> have some issues. There are that's consequences. Why, that's why there's regulation. Yeah. All right, so that's going to do it for us tonight, folks. Thanks very much for being here, and uh, we will do this all again next week. I've got, I've got our list. I've got, I've got notes Excellent. on some different things well, that we're going to talk since about. We're talking crypto. We might as well talk about. We could talk about the Spice Dow. Oh, yes. Yes, we we'll do that. We could talk about that next week. So, uh, so yeah. So, we'll, we'll tease it a little bit here because somebody bought one of the, one of the books about Jodorowsky's Dune. The, the design the, book. The, the, the Bible the, the, from the production. So yeah. This was actually all the... This was script notes. This was uh, artwork. This was costume designs. There's like 20 of these things made in the world. <laughs> and somebody bought one and decided. Or something like six or what, six times what it was supposed to be worth. Yeah. And now they it's think a, that they own the rights to make on one. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's, it's, it's a story. We'll get into that next yeah. week. So join us for that. And, uh, and uh, in the meantime, have a great week. Uh, check out in the rest of the videos that we've got. Feel free to share. Use the hashtag sci-fi for me TV. So, uh, so we can track this stuff and see what you do. So, all right, that's it for tonight. Thanks very much for being here, folks. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2022, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio.